Hi, and thanks for tuning in to First Baptist Center's weekly sermon podcast. Our hope for this podcast is that you'll develop a closer relationship with Jesus and be inspired to share His love with others. We hope that today's message will give you the encouragement you need. Come join us. of all those who have served, those who are serving today. Listen, if you're active military here today, would you stand, please? I'm not standing, but would you stand? Active military, do we have those that have served uh, veterans? How many veterans do we have today? Would you stand at this time? Any of our veterans? Amen. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for your service, and we are very appreciative, and for those that have made the ultimate sacrifice of giving of their lives for our freedom. We are blessed, amen, we are blessed to be able to be here uh, today. So thank you and to those, and to those families. Um, we're in Acts chapter 9 today. Let me brag on Miss LeRae. Thank you for that wonderful uh, piano special. That was, that was awesome. We appreciate uh, Miss LeRae and, and Brother Buddy. They travel over every Sunday couple times, I guess, on Sundays from Fort Payne, Fort Payne, Alabama. So they have a little ways to travel, but we're so glad that you all are here and God has brought you here. Anyway, great job this morning. Um, if you have uh, your Bibles, Acts chapter 9, I'm not sure I said 9, Acts chapter 9, when God drafts a servant, we're getting ready to kick off Serve Summer throughout the months of, of uh, June and July, Serve Summer. Uh, we're asking a lot of our Sunday school classes, small groups, uh, even as a church, starting next Saturday at Terrapin Creek, a church activity of getting out, trying to get into the community, trying to serve folks with the goal of sharing Jesus or at least entering into gospel conversations. And so we're appreciative of all that. I think also we've got our Carpenters group heading to Opelika uh, next week. So we've got all kinds of things getting started next week. But throughout the summer, a lot of you will be uh, involved in small group, your small group or Sunday school class, excuse me, Sunday school class doing some mission work. Uh, around uh, around town, around the county, and we're uh, we're calling that Serve Summer. Well, today it kind of fits pretty well. We find one of the greatest servants, I think, of the Lord, that in the Apostle Paul. But this is Saul. This is unconverted Paul. If you're saved today, there was a time in your life you weren't saved. <laughs> Every now and then, I run into somebody and say, "Well, I've always been saved." No, you haven't always been saved, and that one, I wonder whether you're saved now. <laughs> because listen, if you've always been saved, something's not right. There was a time in your life as a believer in Christ that you were lost. Lost as a ball and tall weeds, lost as a goose, however you want to say it. Lost in your sins, like I was, apart from Christ. But there was a day that God met you. Listen, you came to Christ. You trusted him. You called upon him. You repented of your sin. You placed your faith and your trust in Jesus. Amen. And I hope today you have that testimony. If not, Listen, you can come to Jesus today, and I pray that you will. Let's stand together as we read a portion from God's Word this morning. Um, Acts chapter 9, we're going to be looking at about the first 25 verses, but for now, uh, we're just going to start with uh, uh, verse 1, maybe the first uh, nine verses or so. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and um, it says, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. 
He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, he replied. But get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand, led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful, Lord, today that we're able just to gather in, in your house as your people. Father, we are thankful for on this Memorial Day weekend. We're thankful for those that have served and those that have given their lives. Um, Father, for the freedom that we have, Lord, in this country. And we do pray for America today. We pray for our leaders, our president and our leaders, that they would look to you, Father that they would look to you for the decisions that need to be made. And Father, we pray for a spiritual awakening in America. Lord, we know you've done it before. Would you do it again? Father, how we need that. Lord, would you bless our time this morning as we study your word? Father, I pray for help by your spirit. Lord, and I pray for every person here this morning. You know where we are. You know what we need to hear. You know, Father, you know us better than we know ourselves. So, Lord, right now, would you just speak to hearts? Lord, if there be one in this room that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Father, would you save them today? And we ask it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. That's a sweet sound hearing God's people say amen. And um, listen, back many years ago, there was a hero. I just really heard and about this hero. Some of you, I mentioned his name earlier. Someone said, oh yeah, I remember that name. Uh, Colonel James Irwin. Colonel James Irwin. He was on the Apollo 15 space mission. Apollo 15. This was back uh, 71, a few years ago, a few years ago. And, uh, but I remember as a kid watching, I'd watch them splash down in the ocean. How many of you remember that? A lot of us, right? Our second group, we'll have folks who won't remember that. But anyway, just that, but I remember that and watching that Walter Cronkite, Walter Cronkite. But anyway, uh, Colonel James Irwin, back to the story. Anyway, just an American hero, certainly being uh, on mission uh, on the Apollo 15, but just a very devout Christian uh, from everything I heard about him, just a very devout Christian. In fact, when he was the eighth man to walk on, on the moon and uh, the eighth person to do that, to walk on the moon. And, and when he got on the moon, I was told that he recited part of Psalm uh, 121, right? Looking to, uh, looking to the hills from which cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. And then he stopped and he said, and also from Houston, you know, and I'm sure that got a chuckle or two, uh, being on intercom. But, but on the way back, here's what really, really spoke to my heart. On the way back, he said this. He said, as I was returning to earth, I realized that I was a servant, not a celebrity. So I'm here as God's servant on planet earth to share what I've experienced that others might know the glory of God. And I thought, man, what a humble guy. I mean, if there was ever a celebrity, certainly, and a lot of us remember the astronauts, absolutely, and even today, but especially then on those space missions, if there was ever someone that could claim celebrity status, 
I believe it had been this guy, Colonel, Colonel Irwin. If anybody could have done that, it would have been him. But he, but he saw himself not as a celebrity, but as a, as a servant. He said that, that others might know the glory of God. I thought of that, and I thought, you know, as a pastor especially, but I thought of us as, as church leaders, you know, you know, sometimes we, we might want to be or think of ourselves as celebrities, but we should never do that. We are servants of God. We are servants that others might know the glory of God. As I mentioned, we're getting ready to kick off uh, two months of what we're calling Serve Summer. Serve Summer. And, and it's just what, what you think. We're going to serve this summer. We're hoping that, that individuals, all of us as a church, will, will get in some group, some way, to serve others in the name of Christ. Now, you know, next week we're going to Lord willing, hand out hamburgers and hot dogs at Terrapin Creek. Folks will be floating the creeks. It'll be a beautiful day next Saturday. And, 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 but the main goal is not to give out a hamburger or a hot dog. The main goal is to be able to show the love of Christ and hopefully, prayerfully, be able to talk to some folks about Jesus. Amen? Listen, if, if, we're doing, if, we're just, if we're just doing good stuff without mentioning Jesus, that's just benevolence. Now, that's good, and there's a place, but as believers in Christ, we have a word to share. How many of you saved this morning? If you're saved this morning, we've got a word to share about the Lord. Amen. And I want us to look at what I, who I feel like probably one of the greatest witnesses, greatest servants uh, in the Christian faith, and it's, it's Paul. Well, this morning... He's still Saul. <laughs> He's still Saul. And we can learn some, some things from Saul. And, and here's, here's kind of where we're going. Let me map it out really quickly for you. We're going to look at his conversion, and, uh, and, and we're going to look at his calling or his commission, and then, his, and then the change. Uh, the change. There's definitely will always be a change when someone comes to know uh, the Lord. But we see, first of all, his conversion. Let's go back. If you have your Bible, or you can read it on the screen, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says, now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus. So, to, so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. We were first introduced to Saul uh, back in chapter 7 at the stoning of Stephen. When they were killing Stephen, when Stephen was being martyred for the faith, they laid their coats, their cloaks, at the, at the feet of a young man named Saul, right? Uh, he was approving of that, no doubt. And, and then in chapter 8, verse 3, it says, Saul was ravaging the church, going house to house, dragging out men. Listen, when you think about it, and so here's Saul again in chapter 9, breathing out these threats and, and murder. If you think about for, for Saul, listen, he was a, if you will, he was a terrorist of his day. I don't know that at times we stop to realize just how this guy, he was a bad, he was a bad man. He was a, he was a persecutor of the church. And listen to Paul's own words about himself. And this was from chapter 26. He'll share his conversion story twice, two, more, two times in the book of, of Acts. And we'll look at that, Lord willing, or probably a part of that. But in Acts 26, here's what he said of himself. He said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. 
in my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. And so, so we see that's true even here with Damascus as, as he moves up, uh, up to Damascus, some 150 miles uh, northeast of Jerusalem, he's traveling up to, to persecute the Christians. And so uh, it says, verse three, as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from, from heaven suddenly flashed around him. So this, you know, whether, whether, whether it be lightning or just Shekinah glory, God did it. All right, God did it is the point. This light flashed around him and, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, I, I know I've shared this before, but I, I can't ever read this scripture without thinking about the time that I was preaching this. And I said, and Saul fell off his horse. And, and one of the deacons in the church, and he and I didn't always see eye to eye on everything. And, and so he came up to me and he said, um, he said, where'd you read that about him, about him falling off his horse? I thought it was right there in scripture, big boy, I'll show you. And so I got my Bible out and I'm still looking for that horse. I had to eat some crow, humble pie and everything else when I thought, well, it doesn't really say a horse, does it? <laughs> I think I've shared that. And of course, it, the kids actually had a little picture book and it had Paul, somebody thought he was on a horse, but it doesn't say that. So it says falling to the ground, right? Falling to the ground. So he may have been walking. If he was walking, it was probably about a 10 day walk. Uh, some have, have estimated, I guess, depending on how much you walk per day, but he was in a hurry. I think he would have walked two, two weeks if he had to, because he's obsessed with persecuting Christians. Here's the thing, and I don't know that we can fully understand this, but here's the thing. If we can understand where, where Saul is at at this time, he believes that Jesus is an imposter. He believes that Jesus was a fake, that Jesus was a blasphemer, right? He believes all that. And these that are following Jesus, they're acting the same way. They're, they're, they're completely off target. They're, they're deserting the law of Moses, right? And he's doing a good thing in his mind. He is keeping Judaism pure. That's what he's thinking. And so when he fell to the ground and he heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? <laughs> I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. I don't know that we can fully understand when he heard, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. The one I thought was an imposter. The one I thought was a blasphemer. The, the, Jesus? Jesus? You're alive? Here's the Easter message. <laughs> Here's the Easter message. Uh, a couple of guys, I can't remember their name off the top of my head. I was trying to think if Lord Littleton may have been one of them. But anyway, uh, it was two men many years ago, and they set out to disprove Christianity. They were, they were just you know against uh, the Christian faith and felt that if they could disprove the resurrection of Jesus and disprove the conversion of Paul, they had a chance. Well, in the meantime, short story out of that long one, they end up, they both got saved <laughs> because they both came as they studied the scripture, they came to the realization Jesus really is alive and he really did appear to Paul, uh, Saul, Paul, and, and he was changed forevermore. And so both of them and their books still available or, well, certainly probably out of print, but, but out there today because here are two that set out to disprove Christianity and, and yet they couldn't. And so, so for, for Paul or Saul here, you know, to hear this now, now understand this, God knows us. God calls him by his name. Why are you persecuting me? Anytime we do something unto the least of one of these, our brethren, we're doing it unto Jesus, right? Jesus is already back in heaven, 
but yet he was persecuting the Christians. So how are we treating our brothers and sisters in Christ? Might be a good question for us to ask ourselves. But he said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Uh, Verse six, but get up and go into the city and you'll be told what, what you must do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, verse seven, hearing the sound, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground because, you know, it was just for Saul. They didn't understand all, but it was just for Saul. They knew something happened, but it was, it, was, it was for him. God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he? Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and, 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 and did not eat or drink. And certainly very, I think it was divine judgment that he could not see right for this time, but also very symbolic You know, he thought he could see, but he really couldn't see. He was spiritually blind until this moment that that Jesus intersected his life. You know, listen, and that's the reason when when God drafts a servant, (laughs) you think about when you got saved, you think, well, I I remember when I got saved. You know, I I went forward, maybe at a church, maybe a Sunday school teacher, mom, dad, somebody, grandmother, granddaddy, led you to the Lord, whatever. And we look at it from our perspective, but it was all because Jesus came looking for you and me. The Bible says, for God, so loved the world, right? The Bible says by grace, right, you have been saved through faith. And so it's, it's the Lord who, who does that. It's like the testimony of one that said, I was bound straight for hell, but God interfered. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, isn't that our testimony? We were lost and undone, but God interfered. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm. But, wow. Have you ever thought something was right only to find out you were wrong? I don't know that we can understand. I read a story here, here a few days, well, I say a few days, a few weeks ago now, I guess. Um, every now and then we'll have some, and I know it happens here too because I'm just right down the road. We have these jets that will fly over. And I can always hear them before I see them. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I don't know how fast they're going, but they're moving. And, and I heard about a pilot, a jet pilot that was flying some time ago, some time ago, under the radar at night and, and whatever speed they're traveling. Under the radar at night, fast. For whatever reason, the pilot was not relying upon their instruments. Now, I would think, and I know very little about flying. Some of you know more, but you would have to rely upon your instruments, especially at night, I would think. But for whatever reason, didn't trust the instruments, not sure. But for whatever reason, the pilot pulled up thinking they were coming up, but actually they were flying upside down. And so when they pulled up, they crashed. I think of that, and I think... I think of Paul. <laughs> I think of Paul. I mean, he's, he's flying at supersonic speed, and, he, and he's flying upside down, isn't he? Uh, he he's flying. He, he doesn't know it. He thinks he's doing right. He thinks he's doing what he ought to do, but he finds out that Jesus really is alive. And, and what a difference that makes. There's an old song by Jason Crabb. And I've used it before. I haven't heard the song in a while. I started to listen to it the other day, but I remember hearing this song. It says It's called Living Life Upside Down. Some of you may, may or may not be familiar with it, but it says, What if we've fallen to the bottom of a well, thinking we've risen to the top of a mountain? What if we're knocking at the gates of hell, thinking we are heaven-bound? 
And what if we spend our lives thinking of ourselves when we should have been thinking of each other? What if we reach up to touch the ground to find we're living life upside down? It happens in church, doesn't it? It happens to people at times when they come to that realization. It happens to all of us. If you're saved this morning, there was a time you realized, hey, I'm lost. And today, either you're running toward Jesus or you're running away from him. Either you're drawing near to him or you are resisting him. There's no neutral ground. Either you're walking with him, going with him, or, or you're rebelling and retreating from him. There's no neutral ground. And sometimes, even in the church, somebody has joined the church, they've walked down an aisle, they've went through the baptismal waters, and still lost. Don't let that be you. And maybe even this morning, God may be dealing with your heart that you need to come to Christ. Run to Jesus. He is mighty to save. Amen? He's mighty to save. So, his conversion. I hope you can go back to a time in your life that you turned from your sins and you trusted Jesus. Um, and if you can't, run to him today. He will save you. Verse 10, let's look at his calling. I need to move on a little quicker probably than I did there, but his calling, verse 10, said there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied. What a, what a great, I mean, what, what a, it speaks to that relationship. We don't know a lot about Ananias. Uh, Paul will mention him later that he was a devout man according to the law and had a great reputation. Um, but he says, here I am, Lord. Verse 11, get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for, for, a, man, um, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him that he may regain his sight. And the Lord answered, and, uh, the Lord, uh, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. So let's get the picture. Here it is, Ananias, another servant of the Lord, right? Here's a servant of the Lord. And, and, and so Ananias, and the Lord said, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. He said, I've got a job for you. Okay, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I want you to go over to Straight Street, right? The street called Straight, still, I read still in Damascus today. It goes by another name as well but, but uh, it, it runs east to west, I believe, if I remember correctly. Go over to a straight street, and there's a house there, a, a man named Judas. Oh, yes, Lord, I know where that's at. Well, there's another man there at Judas's house. His name is Saul from Tarshish. I want you to go and lay your hands on him. Now, now what I want you to see what Ananias does in verse 13 is what we do many times. Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man. Uh, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. What Ananias is doing is what I do sometimes and what you do sometimes. It's when we think the Lord doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, now, Lord, I don't know if you've heard or not, that guy's a bad dude. He's a bad man. He's going to hurt me. <laughs> if I go in there... And, and Lord, you've already given him a vision. He's seen me coming in there. So he knows who I am. I mean, I'm just thinking what I would be thinking. You know, Lord, you've kind of let the cat out of the bag. Here comes Ananias. Well, here's one Christian he can lock up. Here's one. But, 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 but Lord, are you really sure? <laughs> and, and, and I'm guilty. I'm just standing before you. I am guilty. At Lord, now, Lord, <laughs> wait a minute. If he's the Lord, that means I'm not, right? Amen? Are you with me? 
I mean, this is not rocket science. <laughs> I mean, if he's the Lord, then I'm the servant. If he's the master, then I'm the servant. If he's God, then I'm a human being. If he is infinite, I'm finite, right? But he questions, Lord, are you sure? Anybody else ever done that? <laughs> well, a few of us pray for us. <laughs> anyway, but to Ananias' credit, he actually goes. Sometimes we don't go. Sometimes I don't go. And that's disobedience, isn't it? Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go for this man, go, for this man is my chosen instrument. All right, the Lord chose him, didn't he? To take my name to the Gentiles, to kings and Israelites. And as you think about the latter part of the book of Acts, we know that that will be absolutely true. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. To think about that, that God has granted to us not only to believe, but also to suffer. You think, well, I'd rather have the first part than the last part. Well, that's true, but the last part goes with it. What was it? Spurgeon said, there'll be no crown wearers in heaven who were not cross bearers here below, right? A lot of truth to that, isn't it? And so he calls us to go, but he said, I've chosen him. I've got work for him to do. He's going to be my servant. He's going to be my servant. Verse 17, let me move along. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road, you were traveling has sent me uh, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice he calls him Brother Saul. He would not have called him Brother Saul if the Lord had not introduced himself to Saul on the way to Damascus. No, he would not. But Christ brings us all together, doesn't he? Uh, in Christ Jesus, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus. And so that you might regain your sight. In verse 18, 18, at once something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Baptism always comes after conversion. Sometime in that three days, Paul got saved. And again, we say, well, I, don't, I didn't read there where he prayed the sinner's prayer. <laughs> now, you do know the sinner's prayer came along with either Bill, I think it was Bill Bright or, or Billy Graham. Both of them credited the other for that. But see, see salvation's a matter of the heart, isn't it? Salvation's a matter of the heart. And, and so sometime in there, listen, he became convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Savior, and so he was baptized. I would encourage anybody, listen, when you get saved, you need to be baptized. First step of obedience, right? And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for, for some time. You know, we don't read much more, or I don't guess any more, other than just Paul's mention of Ananias. We know nothing else about him, kind of, kind of an obscure uh, servant, right? but he was doing exactly what God called him to do. And I think about that throughout the church ages. It's always been that way. We might know certain names. Think of it even in our day. We recognize Billy Graham, right? We probably recognize D.L. Moody. You might recognize the missionary Jim Elliott, right? Some of those names. But have you ever thought, who led those, who led those guys to the Lord? Who led them to the Lord? Elizabeth Elliott, who led them to the Lord? For some of them, we might know like with Moody, maybe, I was trying to think, was it Edward Kimball? I was trying to remember a name. With Billy Graham, uh, an evangelist, uh, Mordecai Ham. And, but, but some of them we may never know. But the point is, Ananias kind of goes off the pages of Scripture. We know nothing else about him, but he was faithful to God with what God called him to do. But we know the name Paul. Our best work, listen, our best work may be not what we do, but who we are able to, to maybe in some way plant a seed to lead to Christ that they do a greater work. Amen? All for the glory of God. 
all for the glory of God. So Ananias is kind of like all of us. We just, uh, one old preacher used to tell me all the time, he'd say, preacher, you're not going home till you finish your work. <laughs> so we need to be working, don't we? God saved us to serve and not to sit and sour, as one of my preacher friends used to say all the time. He saved us to serve. So here's the change. We're almost out of time. Look at verse 20. Immediately, he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. He is the son of God. <laughs> it didn't take long. <laughs> it didn't take long before he got to preaching. He is the son of God. He began preaching. He began serving. Again, God calls us to serve. In verse 21, all who heard him were astounded and said, isn't this the man in Jerusalem who was, um, uh, who was causing havoc for those who called on the name and came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priest? But Saul grew stronger and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 23, after many days had passed, the Jews conspired to kill him. Now, a lot of scholars believe between verses 22 and 23, three years have elapsed. It says after many days or some days. Um, and, and, and why that is thought is because if you go to, to Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, Paul talks about in his, in his current conversion early years, he went to Arabia. For three years. He didn't consult with anybody. It was during that time God, no doubt, was teaching him, right? He was in seminary, if you will, he and the Lord. And so he went to Arabia. So then it seems that he came back to Damascus. So again, many feel like a time elapsed. It says many days, verse 23, verse 24. But Saul learned of their plot. So they were watching the gates day and night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and lured him in a large basket through an opening in the wall. Here is the irony of the story. Here it is. The hunter becomes the hunted. The persecutor becomes the one persecuted. The one who was the blasphemer <laughs> is the one that is blessed. All these things that we see with with Paul and later Saul, and as we realize what a, you know, what a change. When, when God comes into a person's life, when Jesus is trusted, right, and we call upon him, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a change in our lives. And, and, and if there's no change, then, then listen, I don't know what you have. It's not working, right? If your salvation that you claim to have in Christ is not saving you now, and listen, if it's not saving you now, it's not going to save you later. Is there a change? Because you know Christ. And we see that with, with, with Paul. Um, listen, we're out of time. Let me, let me give you five. I think we have something here. Uh, five questions to consider, I believe. Uh, should be on our, on our screen. And, uh, and so just, uh, just to think about these questions in regard to being a servant of Jesus. All right. First of all, am I a servant of Jesus or do I make Jesus my servant? Am I a servant of Jesus or do I make Jesus my servant? We'd never admit that, but, but there may be times that we treat Jesus more like a genie in the bottle rather than the Son of God, the Holy One of Israel, right? Number two is being a servant of Jesus at the core of who I consider myself to be. You know, listen, here's, a good, here's, a, here's another question. How do, you, how do you respond when somebody treats you like a servant? <laughs> you know, that really tells our heart. When you think about Paul in the book of Romans, how does he speak of himself? A servant, a bond slave, a slave of the Lord Jesus, Right? That's how Paul came to see himself. Also Philippians, I believe as well. All right, so um, uh, number three, do I realize that being a servant is the way to greatness? Do I realize that being a servant is the way to greatness? 
when the disciples wanted to be great in the Lord's eyes, he didn't condemn them for that, but he said, hey guys, here's how you do it, right? You put others before yourself. First shall be last and the last shall be first. Um, number four, knowing what Christ has done for me, how can I be anything other than a faithful servant? That those who live, the scripture says, Paul would later say, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Amen? Number five, do I value my master's word? To think about, you know, as I, am I obedient to what God has called me to do? So this morning, let me, let me just encourage you, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has given you at least one gift of the Holy Spirit. Use that gift to serve him. The gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us are not for our enjoyment necessarily, but for our employment in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you to serve. Many of you are, but maybe you've kind of slacked off, and I've been guilty too. Let us serve the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, as we bow our heads together, as we, um, as we think about um, what God may be dealing with our hearts about this morning, and, and first of all, um, you might be here today and maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, I've, I've, I've tried to learn never to assume that everybody's saved because that's just not always the case. And so even in here, even in this crowd, there could be some of you that has never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Well, why not today? There'll ne never be a better time to come to Jesus than, than this morning. Can you go back to a time in your life that you repented of your sin and you placed your faith in Christ? And if you can't, why not today? As we are bowing our heads and praying, would you just be willing just to ask Jesus to come in and forgive you and save you of your sins? Um, it's just a matter of faith, a matter of trust. Now, I know most of us today are saved. And let me just ask you, are you serving him? Are you serving him? See, the problem is, I think as we get older, maybe we're not able to do what we once did. And certainly the Lord understands that. But sometimes we can have the attitude, well, you know, I, I did my time, so to speak. I did my part. Now, I'm going to let someone else take it. Well, and that's, that's good. That's a good attitude to include others. But, but God's not finished with me and you yet. There'll be a retirement someday in heaven. But listen, as long as we are breathing and able, there are things you can do. That, listen, and, and those young folks coming up, they need, they need some folks to come alongside of them that's been there. They need some people that have some experience. Would you be willing to serve? Just as God leads you, as God impresses that upon your heart, I encourage you today just to, just to maybe offer a simple prayer. Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, you show me where you want me to serve. Lord, you show me where you want me to be. Would you just make that your prayer today? Father, right now in the midst of this time, as we, as we pause for this time of commitment, time of invitation, Lord, would you just capture our hearts? Father, would you just um, remind us how much you love us? Remind us what you saved us from and, Lord, what you saved us for. And help us, Lord, to be about the work to which you've called us. Help us, Lord, to share our faith. Help us, Lord, to be bold in that. And we pray for boldness. Father, now bless this time. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at fbc-center.org. 
You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. We hope you have a great week and God bless. Thank you.